Hey guys, it's me, Deke, your friend. It's episode five of the Decast. Greg Smith is a professor of graphic design at Niagara College and was the design program's coordinator when I attended and graduated in 2011. And he's a fun, smart, funny guy. It's a fun conversation. Hope you enjoy it. And guys, please uh, feel free to share, like, subscribe, and leave a review or comments and give me some feedback, you know? Okay, here we go. Mr. Derek Vienhoff, who's better known as Deke. Drinking liquor with DJ Deke, we out laughing. Yeah, Deke. Well, I'm I'm just a professor now. Mm, just a professor. <laughs> yeah. Although this um, this year I'm actually not teaching. I'm doing a what's called a um, <laughs> professional development leave. Okay. So I'm actually I've set up a whole bunch of things that I'm going to be doing for the year. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing type design, 3D printing, CNC machine cutting, all that sort of stuff. But as, as it relates to typography. And sort of um, looking at students being able to design their own typefaces or type products as well. So, is it, can I move my hand? Yeah, sure. Okay, sure. Um, but sit perfectly still. Only I may dance. <laughs> <laughs> but um, before that, oh, let's see. Where did it start? I started off at the University of Waterloo. Yes. Where I studied. I can't remember. Um, I think I was English. I was going to go into the engineering program, okay, but I stopped that. Hmm. I got, I actually got accepted, but I, I couldn't do it. I read T.S. Eliot's "The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock." Okay, changed my life. Uh, after <laughs> I did a semester, very unsuccessful semester at Waterloo, and then I did an even more unsuccessful semester at Brock, and I think. They didn't invite me back. Although I did find there was one course that I really liked called the philosophy of death. Okay. With a professor named George Nathan. Mm -hmm. And we basically, it was a really small group and we just talked about life and death and, you know, like who's buried in Grant's tomb. And I I fell in love with that. That sounds fun. It it was really good. I found some of my papers (laughs) that I wrote horrible like like horrible what are they just like philosophical musing musings or something? yeah and it, it's of course you know you're supposed to reflect on the reading and all that and i totally ignored it so yeah hmm. um after that i went to sheridan to do journalism after i graduated i actually worked for a while <laughs> as a journalist mm. yeah horrible horrible i was the world's worst journalist what did you report on local stories yeah mostly i i did a little bit of time in milton ontario at a new newspaper that was there and then i worked up in aurora <laughs> <laughs> and we covered like aurora new market area so nothing happened no. Well, some things. The cool thing was one time I actually got to do a cartoon. The cartoonist bailed for a week 
and I got to actually do the cartoon that week. I was the only person who could draw. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, after that, I went back to Niagara for, I, I can't even remember what it was called then. It was called some, it was a one year program. We fought to get a, a two year program. Mm -hmm. This was an art program though, like a yeah, fundamentals like a, course or something. Yeah. I, I think it was, I can't, I, to be honest with you, I can't even remember what it was <laughs> called. And then, so we, I did two years there in sort of art design, graphic design sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I went out to NASCAD, the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. Is this where you can get a master's in graphic design? You can, yes. Is this the only place in Canada that does that, or is there... No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Actually, Ms. Tyson was just out there, and she, she got did her that master's. Course. Oh, yeah. nice, yeah. Yeah. Um, I... Not sure where else. Vancouver? I think is there somewhere in probably BC? Emily Carr. For a while, when I was there, it only granted bachelor's degrees. I <laughs> I didn't get a bachelor degree. Oh. Um, but it, it, I have to say, like, that's where I really fell in love with type and printing. That was, like, when I started mainlining. Did somebody get you into it, or did you just fall into it well, and we, love it yourself we actually well see i when i was a kid like my brother was a graphic designer or graphic artist back in the early 70s okay. and, and so i always had like type books and that around like letter set and dry transfer type and all that so i i would always look through the books and when i got back into it it was like all that stuff came back to me but when I was in my typography class with, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Horst Deppi. Okay. I think is, is, he was my teacher at, at NASCAD. We had to handset some type in like metal type and print it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that was it. That, that, it, it I, yeah. Gateway drug? Yes. Awesome. I, and to be honest with you, like I never really recovered from that and all the stuff that I sort of did there. And I also got a chance to, uh, there's, there used to be a place called the Dawson print shop and it was in the basement of the Killam library, <laughs> <laughs> the Killam library in Dalhousie university. And, uh, I printed there with professor Dawson, who was a librarian. He taught in like the library studies program, but he had, this unbelievable um, collection of letterpress stuff. It's still there. And I think NASCAD acquired it and there are still people working there. And there, uh, do you remember that there's a CBC program? I've never seen it, but it was the, the book of Negroes. No. And I'm not being racist <laughs> when I say that it was, uh, uh, Oh, I forget the dude who wrote it. Lawrence Fishburne. No, <laughs> sometimes when we touch Dan Hill's brother, Lawrence wrote the book of Negroes. Okay. And at the Dawson print shop, they actually bound the book that was used in the program. Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. We didn't have those resources at Niagara college. No, did. no. Well, and that, that's one of the things that I was lucky that when I was at NASCAD, that was still there. Well, I mean, I don't think it's really necessary to do, but it's just cool. Yeah. And I, I like, I immediately fell in love with it. Like I, 
again, it's it's screwed me up for the rest of my life. Yeah, and you still do all kinds of stuff like that with type. You make your own typefaces, and you're you, a lot of hands-on stuff, handcrafted. Yeah. Twenty-five years this year, Blind Pig Press. Twenty-five years. Twenty-five years of mediocrity. Are you gonna have a party? Oh, oh, it's in the car. I, I brought you a a, a notebook. Oh, okay. And I should have brought you a hat. I have a super dope. I need more press. hats. Yeah, yeah. Does it have a chain on it? Like <laughs> chain head, chain head. No. Um, what's that? That company? hat's too small now, by the way. A oh. cro- crooks and castles. Okay, I yeah. saw a dude with a T-shirt two weeks ago, and I was like, "That's yeah, it, the chain." It became head. a streetwear, a hipster streetwear kind of brand that just he he didn't look like he was hip. No, but um, yeah, I'll br- I'll bring you a blind pig press hat. Cool. I have um, the angry pressman, which fits pizza is it a dad hat like this yeah cool the other one is the hipster and uh i got him done up at press time there in uh yep. time designs Hill. yeah yep. yeah and uh they look good they feel good and they soak up a lot of sweat yeah well that's my my chain head uh is too small now because it i don't know it soaked up sweat and then it just shrunk <laughs> from my head oh okay. <laughs> or maybe my head got bigger that, well, you have a lot more hair now. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to jump into some questions here. Okay. What is life like for a colorblind graphic designer? Because I'm one, too. Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's I, very misunderstood. I think so. People will like people who don't know when I tell them get all weird about it. Uh-huh. Because they, well, how can you do that? Well, right. it's not all about colors, you know, it's about message. It's about tones and all that. Yeah. Personally. And I don't know about you, but I tend to like, I, I'm probably a little more afraid of imagery and using a lot of color than normal. So I think maybe that's why I like type so much because oh, okay. it's <laughs> safe. Yeah. And I'm doing air quote marks when I say this. No, they can hear the air quotes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. I have Put that technology. <laughs> um, it's interesting because th- this past year I had a student who was colorblind and he got those glasses, those, they're like a yellow okay. sun- sunglasses or whatever. And they're supposed to be for colorblindness. And like two weeks after he got them, I had an appointment with my ophthalmologist and I said, should I get them? And he's like, don't do it. It's, it's really, uh, it's it's not changing your vision. It's just intensifying the colors. So okay. if you can't see the color, it's not going to be there anyways. Yeah, it's kind of confusing even to me having color blindness. Like when pe- and people always say, uh, you know, well, what color? What color is this? Is the first <laughs> question that people it, ask. This is punch you in the face color. That's yeah, what yeah, it yeah. Is. <laughs> it's very offensive. I think colorblind people. There's a, like a lack of community even online and stuff with color. And in the maybe like RGD, I know there's there's like one page on the RGD website that that talks about colorblindness. It's like a oh really? Yeah, but it's not even really. A, it's not even a group or an initiative or anything. It's just sort of a like an explanation, like a half-ass explanation oh, of it or okay. something. Yeah, yeah. And I think I contacted someone once. Uh, I, I'm not certified yet, but I was going for it. And mm-hmm. I, I was asking, hey, is there any like special resources or kind of groups that talk about Because it's... Oh, it's... it's and they're like, no, there, nothing like that exists. Uh, would oh, you like okay. to start it? Or Oh, okay. Well, I don't you know, know what? I like I'll, I'll, uh, I'll check that out. I never... I never... It, it's, it's something that... Like I don't know about you, but I don't tell people right away unless I'm. Well, you don't put it on your resume, at least. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the thing of it is, I the one thing when I was in school, because I knew, I found out in high school, and when I was in design school, I, I didn't tell anybody because mm-hmm. I felt I would be prejudiced mm-hmm. against. Mm-hmm. And one of the professors, we had our final critique, and he said to me, he's like, one thing, your... Um, your sense of color is really highly developed and I, I love it. And I told him, I said, okay, well, I'll never see this dude again. Mm-hmm. So I said, yeah, I'm colorblind. And he was like, oh, bullshit. It's not right. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he was English, so he okay. could get away oh, with it. Okay. Yeah, that's He's my English. English accent. No, it's interesting. But here, I'm gonna, I have a short list of famous colorblind people. That oh, I okay. Up. It's interesting. Sure. Bill Clinton. <laughs> okay. He has uh, other problems, yeah. too. Uh, Bob Dole. Oh, really? The yep. pen holder? Okay. Uh, Christopher Nolan, that director of um, Inception and stuff like that. Uh, I'll take your anyway. word for it. Mr. Rogers. Really? Yeah. Fred. I Fred. did not know that. Um, remember when he testified before Congress for to keep PBS going for kids? Uh, see, I'm, I'm probably too late for Mr. Rogers. Oh, okay. I'm too old for Who that. Who was the Mr. Rogers of your era? Well, there was Mr. Dress Up and... Yeah, but I had the Mr. Friendly Dressup Giant. Too. I don't know the Friendly Giant. Was well, the he friendly the actual giant? giant? Was pre- uh, well, they filmed him like he was. <laughs> oh, they just filmed from the bottom angle. Yeah, he. Uh, but I, uh, we would never. Wa- I was never really allowed to watch children's television. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholas, the golfer. Oh, really? Yeah. And green with on the greens and that. Yeah. I wonder okay. if it affects his golf game at all. I don't know that it, we should w- ask the flags, him. maybe or something. I don't know. Yeah. We should ask him. Friend of the show, <laughs> uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh, okay. He's Canadian too. Eh? He is Dog Star. Isn't that his band? Dog Star. He has a band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't like, know. He's he's doing a movie coming up um, about about a guy who a neuroscientist who wants to bring back his dead wife and kid and his wife and kid actually did die in real life keanu reeves oh i didn't know she that. she i believe oh this is crazy he, the, the kid died while she was giving birth and then she died like four oh. days later in a car accident oh yeah oh man I that know. sucks anyway moving on okay sorry <laughs> marco rubio sip sippy oh. mr oh mr crazy florida yeah, yeah. okay uh mark zuckerberg mm. facebook guy Facebook and Meatloaf, get out of here! Meatloaf has been coming up a lot in the last couple of weeks with me. You know when you hear a word and you keep saying or something like yeah, <laughs> no, Meatloaf is, it is all Meatloaf the not singer, not the food, just... just the singer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, interesting. Anyway, oh, I did not know that. There you I, go. I thought you were going to give me like uh, Alexander the Great. Or something <laughs> yeah, because like they know that. <laughs> um, not to spend, not to bore too much, too many people on colorblindness, but you posted that Radio Lab episode. Uh, with both the yellow pigment thing and about some women because they have because women have two X chromosomes that they have a double what is it a double That's, chance of having that colorblind gene or what am I mixing up here? Okay, so they have actually, um, oh, I can't remember. It's a yellow what it's cone called. anyway. It's yeah, what, they have like an extra cone. So there are women out there who can actually see colors that nobody else can. Yeah. It's like Quatra something. Mm-hmm. Like it's four cones. Kind of like means. the TVs, how they come up with RGB. And then they had the gimmicky, like, this TV has the yellow now. Okay. I'll you know, that, that, was, that was a recent thing. Or I haven't had a TV for, okay. well, since well, 20, 
24 years or something? I don't have cable, but I have a TV. Okay. For that's, that's okay. It is um, okay. Yeah, and, and they actually found, because through blood tests, they can tell whether these women have the ability to have that fourth cone. Mm -hmm. And they actually found women like in their laboratory tests that mm -hmm. had that cone and they devised a way to, they devised that color, that yellow color. And out of the seven women that they had, one of them could actually see the color. Yeah. And it, like, I mean, to me that like, I, again, I don't have that perception of color. I think I use color differently, mm -hmm. but they didn't know whether all the women could see it but they just weren't used to seeing it. Right. And this one woman had a more, you know, was more attuned to colors and all that. Yeah. Or whether it was, she just noticed it and they like, she was saying, she was looking at the sky and saying, I see some pink in that blue. Do you guys see that? And they're like, no, this, yeah, imagine this sucks. Her, her whole life has been that. I, yeah. For people who don't understand what it's like to be colorblind for me, at least I have, a, I think I have a severe red, green color blindness. I forget the, the scientific name for it. For that, I don't um, know if you remember that dye. It starts with a D, like yeah. I can see the word, but I can't yeah, pronounce yeah. it. Um, Insert it later. I will. <laughs> right here. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Uh, for me, just like reds, uh, reds and greens. Sometimes they're the they just they're. If I were to compare it to what I, what I think other people are seeing, they're just a little more muted. Like they're for me at least, they're they're more grayish. Uh, purples and blues, I like, get confused all the time. Yeah. yeah. That's red green color blind people get their blues purples. Yeah, Reds browns, and greens and browns. Browns, yeah. I, I the the way it was explained to me, my doctor said that it, my eyes tend to filter out a little bit of the red. Yeah, that makes that's a good way of explaining so like it. Pink, I have trouble with pink. Or if people are blushing, mm -hmm. like you my wife tell. will say, like, "Oh, did you see that woman blushing?" And I was like, uh, "No." <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah. And I work at a print shop now, uh, doing <laughs> well, vinyl and stuff. Well, yeah, but I mean. See, again, what saved me was, you know, God bless CMYK. Yeah. We print in RBG, RGB, though. Okay. We well, print JPEGs. <laughs> RGB. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's still that control range. Yeah. There's, a, I mean, with color and designing, there's tools. Like, there's numbers and tool and Pantone books and stuff to refer yeah. to. So, it's kind of, yeah, it's not that detrimental. But it, it is a bit, um, at least growing up, I always felt, like you you mentioned the word uh, prejudice before, and you wouldn't think that color... Head south. Head south. That's, is that me or you? I don't think so. I hope I didn't put my directions in. Oh my God, it is. That's oh, okay. That's okay. I just ruined everything. No, no, it happens. So, as I was saying, what was I saying? Uh, about the prejudice. Oh, yes. Um, That's a good song. Now it's me. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> the both of us. That's okay. so weird. Hold Sorry, on. folks. All right. So prejudice. When I, when I was a little kid, uh, it, it's a little almost like embarrassing when someone's like, you don't know what color that is, you stupid. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. No, yeah. it's not well, because I'm stupid. I, my eyes are just, they function differently than you. Sorry. Yeah. Well, no, I, 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 um, again, maybe because I, you know, my, I, my brother painted, I painted and drew and all that, you know, from a really young age, like my brother actually taught me how to draw correctly when I was like really little. Mm -hmm. So it was always around. So I was always aware of, um, 
sort of the effects of color and, and, you know, but I couldn't, I think because you use it and you don't know how you're using it fully, like it's, it's always a little bit of a guesswork, you know? And And I find like, like when I print letterpress, I have, I know what color of ink is on the plate. I may not be able to see it properly, yeah. <laughs> but you know, if it's black, I know it's black, mm-hmm. you know? And, but, and again, I, I, I think that, I think most people are colorblind to a degree, but they just don't know it, you know? Yeah. Like we're viewing uh, a spectrum of electromagnetic waves. I'll take your word for I that. I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. And I um, mean, ha- like everybody's eyes are going to be a little bit different. Yeah, and isn't it true that evolutionarily, like, we initially, when the beings evolved, they would have just seen black and white color would have come later for, like, predators and stuff? Like, I'm not that expert on it either, but, like, like yeah. it's like your brain is assigning certain wavelengths this color just to differentiate things. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, yeah. isn't color kind of happening in your brain, more or less? I mean, it's hard to put it that way, yeah, but... I, I'm, I'm... Yeah, I'm not sure about okay. that. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> you know, if my friend James Bond were here, he would know. Oh. Yeah, because he's smart. Is that a real person? Yeah, that's actually his and real his name. name. Oh, yeah. I'll rem- I remember that now. <laughs> okay, I want to touch on um, this this Welland uh, logo contest thing. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, the Welland logo contest. Uh-huh. Um, now, have they chosen a winner? Air yes. quotes. Yeah, they, they did... Um, I think it was in June and they got what was offered, which was bragging rights, a $300 gift certificate to the Seaway mall. Yeah. And which actually wouldn't have been bad if you could spend it on, um, those root beer milkshakes at A&W. Just all of it on that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just have it, you know, taught it up. That's probably the most valuable thing you can get at that mall. (laughs) It's been a long time since I've been there. Same. Um, yeah. And it was won by a first year graphic design student from Welland, but she goes to Mohawk, I believe. So how was the work? Was it all right? Did it turn out okay? Or I'd rather not go into that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, and I know like from being a student and having work out there for critique and that, I mean, it's not really fun to get people to pile on. Sure. But I think, and I mean, it's the, it was the whole process. Yeah. Let's let's what I want to ask you. So for people who don't know the city of Welland, they put up a contest too, which, uh, the government of Canada did this for their 150th, yeah, 150th logo. Uh, uh, why are design contests bad and who do they hurt? Well, <laughs> they hurt everyone. <laughs> no. Well, I, I, to be honest with you, I think when it's a public thing, like, like in the case of the, it's the people of Canada who are suffering in terms of why they're bad to me, like, because I'm a designer, like I know people who make a living doing this. Yeah. So a, you're taking work away from people who should be getting paid to do things, you know, but, but also it's, it's, and I mean, you know, this, the, the design is a brief, it's, it's a dialogue. It's not like art. Art is, you know, ineffable. You can't really, yeah. You know, it's, it's inspiration. Urinal is art. If you put a signature on it, it's, you know, a whole bunch of dots, you know, and and I mean, I'm not denigrating art, but it's, it's, it's a different thing. 
with design you have a brief and i think the problem that i had mostly with or the most problem with with the city of welland logo project was there was no brief it was design a design a logo right so they hadn't even maybe they thought about what they wanted but they didn't put it out there no so how, how is it ever going to be accurate to what they actually need yeah and have they even thought about that right and, and i mean i'm not a like I, I don't have inroads into the city of Welland mm-hmm. uh, inner chambers. I don't know the if cabal. They... <laughs> yes, but I, like I don't know what they thought about. I don't know what the parameters were. I don't know if they did. Yeah. And I think the the problem for me is when they're defining that brief, when they're thinking about that. Like, what did they think about? What did they think about what a logo is going to do or a brand? Yeah, why did know? they need one? Like, yeah, if, this if is they the don't thing. know why, like, like, yeah, how did they come to the decision that, oh, we need a logo? Yeah, if they haven't thought, like, we just, if they haven't really thought it out, how did they determine that they needed it? Yeah. Who said, oh, we need one? Like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, and again, is it just, and I mean, I've been out there in the real world before I was teaching and these decisions get made for bizarre reasons, yeah. you know, and boredom. <laughs> well, well, just, we need something. Is it a logo? Well, a designer, be. <laughs> well, but it's easy, right? And everybody knows the word logo. Yeah. No, not very many people understand like brand identity or why you make stuff. a logo. And yeah. Yeah. And, and I, Grimsby did the same thing a while ago. Not, not a contest. All but of a sudden this logo. A revamp. And I mean, it, I, I have no idea who did it, but yeah. it could have been from Kelowna, BC. It could have been from Colombia. It could have been from Azerbaijan. Yeah. And it, it all looked the same. It was prepackaged, you know? Yeah. So, um, uh, so St. Catharines did a similar thing, too. It was a couple of years back. Do you remember this? They, um, I have a funny quote, too, from an article about it. Because uh, it's funny. The Standard actually called me. Because I had tweeted about it or something, so they oh, called okay. me, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like uh, I don't know, well, who am I to talk about it, right?" But I just and I that got quoted in the article and stuff. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. That's cool. But uh, so I guess so. Here's what happened: the city council set aside in their budget, they had twenty thousand set aside for this logo, and uh, the city staff had two uh, in-house designers or whatever, and they came up with the logo on their own because in their uh, rationale. 20k wasn't enough for a professional like they were thinking oh we we need like 50k so instead of hiring what we think is not going to work with the 20k we're just going to do it in-house really okay i i I must say i didn't hear that okay and so so i guess they came up with these very simplistic like actually they don't look too bad they're just like saint Catharines with sort of the colors and a little a little it was like a flowery thing on top or something to the garden city whatever this guy's quoted uh who who is it here uh, Port Dalhousie Councilor Bruce Williamson. He goes. He said, uh, "What looks like a flower to some can look to others like something else. Uh, maybe St. Catharines is on fire or something like that." He said of the first logo. Uh, of the second, he quipped, "Maybe it's it's an explosion. Uh, maybe St. Catharines is exploding." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Williamson, you are at it again, Mr. Williamson. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and. See, I think the one thing, and again, I'm more familiar with the Welland situation, mm-hmm. reach out, talk to people in the area. Like, you know, most people will give you a sit down and say, 
this is what we're thinking of doing. What, you know, is this groovy? Is this, should we do this? Should we, do we need a logo? What do we need? Yeah. So can I ask you when, what hypothetical situation would a city need a revamping or, or can you think of an example of one that really was in dire need of something and then had the success with a logo revamp or? Well, I think the, the one that I'm probably most familiar with or is, and it's not a whole part of the city, but in the, uh, James North area of, of Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And I mean, super crawls this weekend, super crawls this weekend. So that means it's, what is super crawl again? I keep hearing about this. Really? Here. Oh, d- just, just, okay. Yeah. A little closer. Yeah. A little closer. Okay. Perfect. So, um, super crawl is, it started off cause I mean, it's been about a decade now <clears throat> since, um, since the James street North area has sort of tried to rebrand itself. And it's, I mean, if you've ever been down there now, it's a whole bunch of like a really cool melange of different, uh, you know, there's studios, there's um, restaurants, bars. So it's part pub crawl, but it's food and it's art, different things art, too. music. All and I mean, the, the music stuff, it's like a three-day thing. Now, people come from all over the okay, world. Okay. Okay? It's like the one that I went to probably about, well, I went to the, sort of the first three or four, and then it got too big, and my social, <laughs> you know, my my social unease started to take over. Right. But I mean, great bands um, like inside this basilica church on James North saw some just incredible, like not only like acoustic stuff. There was acapella music. There was, you know, like people beatboxing everything, yeah. like country music, all sorts of stuff. And it was like just on the street live and you could walk into a whole bunch of different art places. You could grab a falafel, you could grab pizza, whatever you wanted, you know? And I mean, before it was sort of a scary area, you know, people were, you know, shooting up on the street and uh, friends of mine have great stories about that area. And they started to, you know, artists, designers, because they could afford it to move there started moving in okay, and it's really transformed the area and it's neat because it wasn't government or it wasn't, you know, the, a the mandated city council. It was just a natural. Yeah. And, it, and I think that's why it's worked so well. And also the people haven't really expected a handout, you know, like I, I a few years ago in Niagara Falls, um, there was a whole bunch of art galleries in that open. Somebody bought a whole bunch of the property <coughs> and, uh, you know, artists sort of moved into the area, sort of like locust feeding on a field. And, yeah. that. and I don't know what, like the result was that it didn't stay around, you know, when people needed to get paid for the rent or whatever, then, you know, the, the artists couldn't afford it. But the neat thing about the James North area is that it's been sustained. Uh, the one place that I, I know is uh, an arts shop. Like he sells like artist materials and different things. And um, I mean, he's been there. This is his 10th year. It's changed over the 10 years, but he's still there. And it, it's really vital. And it, it's, it's, it's really cool to see. And I mean, when I was thinking about, like, how do you brand that? Well, you sort of let it brand itself. You mm-hmm. let the people involved do the branding. And, you know, when Supercrawl comes along, there's, 
you know, a brand around that sort of event. There was even this, um, this advertisement in the, the Hamilton paper, these, um, people have been building like a high rise apartment complex and they were actually branding it as come for the opening at super crawl. So come to super crawl. Don't buy a pizza. Don't buy a falafel, buy an apartment, right? Like or buy a condo. So they incorporated that the branding that was already existing and, and sort of working for a super crawl to work for them. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is, and, and if you think about it, that's the market that they're getting, they're not just getting like little dirtbag 12 year olds. Yeah. Nothing 12 year olds are dirtbags though. Nothing Mostly. against. No, I love, no, I don't love 12 year olds. <laughs> you don't I, mind them. Cut that. Cut they're all right. <laughs> okay. Um, so like, for example, I, uh, the city of Montreal, I think it was maybe five or six years. I don't know when it was, but they, I think they spent $500,000 on their logo campaign. Wow. Yeah. See, Again, I, and I mean, as a designer... That's arbitrary, though, right? The money, it's kind of like really just who you hire is going to put out some good work, perhaps. But it doesn't really... Like, the money, well, the money not, doesn't really It's not just the symbol, point. right? It's not just a logo. It's yeah. where it's getting used. Like, is the... The, the whole s- campaign. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, like, the logo... The logo is, in most cases, the most uh, visible part of it. You know, yeah. that's what everybody sees. That's what everybody creates. It's the leader of the band. Yes, exactly. It's the um, David Lee Roth, but the bass player is the best thing about Van Halen. The guy who I can't remember his name. Yeah, the fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Michael bass player. Yeah, I think that was his name. Yeah, actually. Michael... Yep. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but wait, can I interject? Speaking of um, band, uh, funny band names, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna read off a few that you posted, and then I'm gonna give you some of what I have come up with. Okay. Okay. Here's some of yours that you may not remember. <laughs> Where did I post them? That doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. And you also said that people can use them for free if they wish. So oh, is okay. that still? Oh, standing? sure. Yeah, okay. definitely. Uh, the big Tony Salami. <laughs> Uh, Whisper Time with Ted Fredrickson. <laughs> Puffy Whistlehead. Really? I love uh, that. Koi Bot. Koi Bot? I think it's a play on Boycott. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Koi maybe it's like, a ro- it's, like a, it's like a sly robot. Yeah, maybe it's like Mr. Koi robot. Bot. Yeah. Uh, the Sister Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. The Brothers Sisters. That's good. That's that was good, a flip. too. That was the flip. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft Office Suite. <laughs> Uh, Here's a good one. The old racetrack in Elmira, Ontario had good french fries. Oh, they did. That Now, that's a personal experience one because my dad used to race harness horses and we used to go up to the Elmira racetrack. Oh, my God, the french fries were delicious. Do you still taste them now? Yes, I'm tasting them right now. <laughs> it's uh, all in your brain. Yes, yes. Um, the nicely hemmed trousers. Yes, I see. Good. I think they would be maybe like a, a House Martins cover band. Okay. You know the House Martins? No. Have you ever heard of Fat Boy Slim? Yes. Fat Boy Slim was in the House Martins, oh. and then he formed the Beautiful South, and then he became Fat Boy Slim. Fat Boy Slim is a genius. Yes. He's a you human sh- genius. You should hear the House Martins. They I'm going to check them out. They love cardigan sweaters. Okay. They're from Hull, England, which is where uh, Philip Larkin uh, was a librarian. You know Philip Larkin, nope. the poet? No. Nope. He, he wrote This Be the Verse. They fuck, oh, yeah, this they be the verse. No, I don't know what that is. 
they fuck you up, your mom and dad. They do not mean to, they but do, they but do. <laughs> that's they cool. They fill you up with Wait, fun. let me write this down. Yeah, write it down. So, Philip Larkin, P-H-I-L-I-P, just one L, L-A-R-K-I-N. Yeah, this be the verse. And he was a librarian in Hull, England, and that's where the house martins were from. You like, and that, that's, you like that tip? That's a brush. It's a brushy. Ooh, that's tip. nice. What kind is it? Um, Prismacolor. Ooh, Prismacolors. Mm-hmm. Can I smell it? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about a magic marker. Not too hard. Oh, okay. There's no smell to it. And here's your last band name. Dog, dog, dog. <laughs> I was thinking about Keanu Reeves when I came up with that. Oh, yeah. Have, have you, you've probably never heard of Tony O'Kay, a musician. No. Uh, sort of an, a loose associate of T-Bone Burnett. And he had, like, T-Bone Burnett is sort of famous for, he has, like, songs that are just three words, like, dance, dance, dance. Oh, okay. And, Tony O'Kay had one that was fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, all right. And then that's dog, dog, dog. Great. Which may be the opposite of God, God, God. It so, may be. Yes. It is, actually. <laughs> here's, some, here's some of ours. We, me and uh, Thomas Summers came up oh, with yes, some of Oh, yes, Thomas Summers. I yeah. remember Thomas. I just uh, had lunch with him. He got back from uh, Japan and China. He was teaching uh, English in China. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. He would be very tall over there. He is very tall over there. He's very tall He's here. Over here, too. Yeah. So here's ours. Okay. Uh, we got Mark Anthony in the garbage cans. <laughs> Hold on. Wait till I get the water out of my mouth here. Shut up, pony. <laughs> is there a comma in that? There's, no, there should be. Yeah. That's better. Okay. Uh, this is not a band. That's uh, okay, right. yeah. sucky. Steve Allen and the Rickshaws. <laughs> what about Huey Lewis and the True Blue Scotsman? Okay. Oh, that's they're already guys. It's like Mark Anthony's already a guy. Huey Lewis. Yeah. Like, but they're okay. like, I guess they're like bands they would start or something. But like Huey Lewis would be Huey. 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 Okay. Enough of that. Okay. All right. I like that. That's pretty cool, huh? Okay. Back to some semi-serious stuff. Okay. Can you tell me about Jan Shishold and why he's important? Oh, man. Is that... I, how long do you have? Uh, like 10 minutes. Oh, okay. No, uh, whatever. I'm... Well, okay, so, like, Tischhold... He's okay. a German guy. Well, yes, uh, German-Czech. German-Czech. Yeah, there's lots of... People pronounce his name lots of different ways. John, like Jan. Schold and oh, all this. Schold. okay. And he used to sign it uh, on his designs in, like, using his... his The Czechoslovakian or whatever it was, the Czech derivation of his name. Anyways, the thing of it is, he's sort of the father of modern typography really interesting side note to chishold um his father was a sign writer and in the post-victorian era before the modernist movement started to take over chishold always maintained that sign writers especially european sign writers maintained correct letter spacing so they gave the continuance that victorians you know had bastardized everything typographically and because of the sign writers there was a continuance of letter forms and proper spacing and all that sort of stuff and that's that would differ from what other uh typographers that he was contemporary with were doing because they didn't have a dad who was a sign writer so he well no also that was like that was second nature to him you know and his his early work is i mean it's not great but i mean he's 
doing it by hand. He's it's all his own calligraphy for the most part. It's it, a lot of it is sign writing, but to me, Chishold, other than he wrote it down, like he was actually a writer and a like a typographic philosopher. So he so he left a legacy that way. That you know we can buy his books now. I, I have a lot. I have his autograph. Although I died, well, he died. I died. <laughs> I died. <laughs> I when died I got before. it. Um, he died in like 1971, I believe, or 69 yeah. or something, and um, around the time I was born. So, like, not not like I was born in 64, but you know, I was thinking that, that his spirit passed on to me, <laughs> even though I don't believe in the human spirit. <laughs> I get it. But the other thing that I, I love about Chishold is that he was designing for mass production. It wasn't this little dilettante, you know, like person who has their letterpress shop in their garage at their home, like me. Mm-hmm. Um, like he was designing for the mass market. And if you look at like the, the work he did with penguin, like the penguin, um, uh, books that he designed, I mean, is that a German company or British British? Mm. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, like he, he was churning out hundreds of books a year and they were all like really precisely designed. And people weren't doing it when no, he was doing no. that. Well, they were, but it, it wasn't not with his skills, not, not with yeah. that skill set. And, and again, like he made readability and legibility and sort of the, you know, the, that was a watchword. So they're easy books to read. They're beautiful books, but also they're like, you could buy them in the shop for like, I don't know, five shillings or whatever. Wampum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so did he? So he developed uh, what is it called the, the the sort of the rule of of the margins and in, 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 in well, book reading? Sort of, like yeah, he sort of rediscovered what what we call the the monastic canon, sort of the um, ge I was going to say geographic geometric, geometric uh, development of how the monks actually design the pages, like put the um, the text block on the overall page itself. So for people listening, if you look at a book that's opened kind of picture, um, a sort of rectangle that, that are marking out where the margins, where your thumbs would be. And then there's sort of a, sort of a grid, like, or like a cross in the middle with a triangle that goes from the middle down. down. And then, yeah. so that's sort of marked out. What is it for optimal reading or what is the purpose of that? Just, well, it's the, the monks, I think developed it because to the monks, like geometry was sacred, sacred and an expression of the Lord and all that sort of stuff. Um, but again, it's, it's a, an easy way of laying out the page and it's agreeable to us visually. Right. And just subconsciously and sort of the way our eyes work and stuff like that yeah, way. And well, also there's a, a larger mar- margin at the bottom. So it allows the type to sort of sit, on something higher. Yeah. And it, it sort of balances out. Well, you've always, I remember you would say this in graphic design. Uh, you would say, I don't know how you would word it, but we would say we'd center something in the page and oh. you would say, just kind of sometimes just nudge it, it up, up a little bit, yeah, just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Because so that it has more margin at the bottom and it's a little sort of a trick. Yeah. It's a, it's a, what do they call it? A op- optimal collusion. <laughs> op, Optical, optical illusion or optical illusion. And 
there, there should be just a little bit more space at the bottom because the visual, like everything has a visual weight on the page and it does sort of tend to sink down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the cool thing is that Chishold laid out these rules and he always said, you can break the rules, but you have to break them with elegance. And I think that's sort of lost a little in the translation from the original German, mm-hmm. because we think of elegance as, you know, setting in like, you know, palace script or something like that. But I think he means like to break the rules with, with a thoughtfulness and, you know, make sure that it, it, it works properly at, at, you know, whatever yeah. you're okay. doing. So if you're going to break the rule, have a great reason to break yeah, the rule. Yeah. And, or else make sure it really looks good. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and I think that's one thing that, like, if you look at modern book design, I mean, the basics are just transferred from what Shishold was doing back in the 1940s, you know. Yeah. But by taking that and breaking the page down, belch, <laughs> um, by breaking the page down, it, it allows us to look at a book differently. The interesting thing as well, um, this is something that this is sort of one of those insights that have just come to me lately. All right, man. (laughs) But if you think about a digital book or like a a book that you would read on a Kindle or whatever those things are or iBooks or whatever, that because it's like scrolling through a document in MS Word, it doesn't have the same layout criteria, right? Right. So a book, a printed form of the book is actually like, I think it's a more radical design. So when, when we transfer something from the printed page in, in, in book sense or, or uh, magazine sense, when it moves to a purely digital sense, I think there's, there's something that the translation is, I think we think that it's still sort of cool, but when you're translating it to a, a, a purely digital format, I think you should honor that format. Yeah, it loses a it loses something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. and I mean, and again, I think people right now are replacing it with interactivity. Yeah, so you can put, oh, let's put a video in here, or I you can know. highlight stuff on the Palm Pilot yeah. or whatever these things. Yeah, are and you can click on it, and it'll tell you how to pronounce which a is word cool or something. Oh, that that oh, that's totally cool. But I think the basic layout and reading, like books, aren't broken. You know, and, I, and yeah. this sounds like. Oh, like makes me sound horribly old fashioned and I'm, I'm not old fashioned. I mean, I love cool new stuff, but like when I pick up a book from the 1920s, I can read it. When I pick up a book, I pick up. Do you up, smell it first though? Uh, it depends. <laughs> if it's new, I don't have to smell it, but I make sure the spine doesn't crack. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. But, um, and it's funny. I was, Recently, the RGD had a, a presentation on the future of book design, and they were talking to Stephen Heller, the uh, American design writer, okay. design critiquer guy. And uh, he said, you know, the book isn't really broken in like a printed form. That's almost like the ultimate expression of what the book is. And when you digitize it, it's becoming something else. Yeah. And so it's not a book. I don't think it's so. A co- it's a writing or it's a, it's, and again, it's something <laughs> <laughs> that's original, <laughs> but I, I find like for me, I, you know, books never run out of batteries. Um, as long as you can, 
as long as you can read the language that it's written in, then it's, it's groovy. You know, they're a little bit awkward to carry around. It's sometimes easier to carry books in a Kindle or whatever. Yeah. You can have a hundred, you can have a hundred books in there. Yeah. And if you're traveling or something like that. But the one thing that I find with, with the book is I can go forward. I can go backward. If it's a, a printed book, I can actually remember sort of where on the page something was. Yeah. Okay. You know, That's you've gone back yeah, that and makes sense. you look for a quote and it's like, okay, I know it's on a left-hand page and, and it's I know on the it's top on the, paragraph or something. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And I find that, and again, this is me cause I'm, I'm old, but when I'm reading a, a digital book or an ebook or whatever, I don't have that same sense of like the page is elastic to me and it, it's not as familiar. It's not as, uh, anchoring emotionally. <laughs> um speaking of monks who is mm-hmm. this thomas merton guy i um, saw some of your writings about him he's a catholic monk but he was a, a writer yeah he was a um well catholic i think the the uh sect that he became part of was a trappist monks and they took a vow of silence and i think a lot of times you'll see them in white robes okay so you I'm, don't hear a lot about these c- catholic Silent monks. No, no, they're... Uh, a lot of them are loudmouths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the loudmouth monk. Well, the... the <laughs> so he was a, a, a American... Or... Uh, I think he was born in France, moved to America, went to Oxford, or Oxford, I think, got kicked out of Oxford, may have got a woman pregnant. Um, he ended up through a confluence of events at a monastery in Kentucky, the Abbey of And Gethsemane. you visited this. I did. I, I, I did. He was, it's funny because I'm not religious and I, I'm a huge atheist, big, 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 big atheist, mm-hmm. but I find certain things truthful, what Thomas Merton wrote. And he was always like, he always examined himself and especially his later writings, and he became very interested in Buddhism and all that. He would hang out with different monks from other religions and yeah, what, just yeah. converse with them or just exchange things. Yeah, and he like wrote a tremendous amount of stuff. And I find I found like a lot of his poetry and a lot of his writings, uh, like the sort of the history of the church and all that. I'm not really that much into, but. Um, I, like he wrote about a lot about contemplation and sort of I don't know, like finding yourself. It was the fifties and it was the sixties in America. And he also wrote a lot about social justice. Oh yeah. Okay. And, uh, I mean, he, before he went into the monastery, he worked in Harlem at a, like a, an outreach, almost like, I don't know, like a soup kitchen or whatever, you okay. know, so it's just an interesting dude that just, wrote so what's this quote about propaganda there is no sickness in the world that can be cured by propaganda what is the context of that uh that was uh, that was in some of his anti-war writings at at the height so of the like, vietnam war propaganda man well i think yeah it's it's like uh again and as a graphic designer it sort of speaks a lot to me that we're delivering messages to people and Propaganda is uh, uh, veering away from the truth in in most cases, and and the truth that you know that veer 
will never get you back to the truth. Right. And he was very, very critical of America's involvement in Vietnam, very critical in sort of capital, you know, capitalistic endeavors. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's also, you know, one of the reasons you, you don't step away from society. And I mean, he liked music, liked women, like drinking, all that sort of stuff. You don't step away from that without a reason. So he was a quiet, commie, floozy, <laughs> soup kitchen guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically. Oh, yeah. How yeah. do you recognize propaganda? Because by definition, isn't propaganda sort of the subversion of your of, of the public sort of getting into their psyche? Like, uh, and people, like, when you see propaganda in whatever form it takes, whether it's rhetoric or design or a, some, something... How does one recognize it or how do people, or maybe my question is how do people get tricked by it? Or is that a sort of a too uh, ethereal question? Like, I, well, I think uh, to be honest with you, if I'm being really honest, I think we get tricked by it because we want to be oh, tricked okay. by it. Yeah. And, and in some cases, propaganda will, <laughs> will lead you down a road that you already want to go, but like a nationalistic. Well, thing. yeah. And I mean, if you th- right. think about what's happening in America right now. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm orange not. Hitler and grandma Nixon. <laughs> well, it, but it's, it's funny. The thing that has emerged that the propaganda from the democratic camp is that there are some things wrong with our candidate, but she's not him. Yeah. That's the, the thing now. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, also if you, if, I mean, you mentioned colorblind Bill Clinton earlier. Yeah. I mean, I cannot see green. <laughs> Come over That's... here and bring your cigar, young lady. I, uh, that was too uh, Cajun. He wasn't that Cajun. Okay. okay. That was James Carvel. Mixed Carvel. with Bill Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, he was a Republican. Like, during his presidency, because I remember Clinton's presidency, he was basically a mildly social... Like they just kind of hover around the center more or less. Yeah. And I mean, economically, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, foreign policy. Yep. He, he was like a a Republican. Yeah. And he had a little bit of democratic leaning in terms of like social Social values. So kind of like Obama's kind of like that too, right? Like he came out as this kind of left, left wing savior kind of thing, but just, they, they're very left on the social issues and those kind of just, yeah, they get changed, but the other things just kind of stay the same. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, look, at it, more people... Have and then been they get killed. shit on at the end of their eight years. Like, look what he... <laughs> look what he well, the, did. But the thing of it is, with I, I think with uh, Obama, like, he never said he was left-leaning or anything like that. Just hopeful. And, yeah, yeah. And it was very much people read into it. They put him on the left in their mind or something, or they... they yeah, yeah. And, and again, I mean, propaganda... And that, that, like, I mean, I have respect for Obama in that, I mean, (laughs) I would love to know the number of death threats that, like, have been credible death threats that have been received by the Secret Service or whatever. For him? For him. Excuse me, sir, I'd like to submit this death threat to uh, (laughs) Mr. Obama. Yeah, and and, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I mean, and to to me, it's a, a brave thing what he did. But again, if you do that without a commitment, and again, it's not up to me to question his commitment to social change or anything like that. But I, 
like, I, I, I mean, like, America is. Oh, I mean, that's a that's that's it's a, a beast. It it is, and and again, it comes up a lot on this show, by the way, because uh, my one friend's very political, and then uh, I don't know, it's just a thing we always touch on. It's like what. <laughs> What is America? It's well, like I mean, we're, we're so close to it, too. I, you know, like, we yeah. always used to go over drinking in America. It was, when I was a kid, it was freedom. You could go over right. and drink at a younger age. But now, it's, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't even like traveling in America. I, I've, no, I, I'm, uh, there's a, a couple of events that I want to go to. Burning down, Man. <laughs> burn a man. Um like down in Wisconsin and like, I, I don't know if I want to go, you know, it's, but again, I'm old, I'm complacent. And something I think about a lot is just this kind of like double thinking when it comes to America from Canadians perspective, a lot of the times, or even from American citizens perspective, it's like trashing the country, but then also saying how great it is. Like a lot of people do that almost in the same sentence because it's, well, Canadians are great at that too. Yeah. Like we're, you know, they say ugly American, smugly Canadian, and we can sort of sit back and say, Look at that! Look at That's freaks. A, but yeah. oh, you oh, but you're gonna send us this uh, natural resource ABC or whatever it is. Oh, great! Yeah, well, thanks. We need that. Yeah, we yeah. love you guys for sending that stuff over here or helping us mm-hmm. militarily or whatever it is. Thank you so much. Uh, great partners in World War Two. We did real work, good work together. Uh, <laughs> we'd love to work together again. Uh, well, it, I, oh, you going to Iraq? Oh, sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I Why think Harper it, was. Uh, th- probably the closest ex- expression of Americanism politically that we've seen. I mean, Justin Trudeau, I mean, he takes good photographs and shirtless uh, photographs. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, he has inhaled that. You, yeah, you know has. that for sure. But, and again, he's recognizable to us as a Canadian. Whereas I think Stephen Harper, Lego haircut, <laughs> Yeah, he he was Canada's accountant, you know, and he was closer to being American because we we had no reading of him, only that he liked hockey. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of, I think Trudeau gives us more confidence that we're okay, excuse me, with ourselves, but I'm not necessarily okay with, I think, I think, you know, we're maybe a little left of yeah America. where we were or, or yeah harper's starting his new uh strategist uh firm it's oh, called look. harper and associates <laughs> real, real fucking interesting name how would you like to do the branding for that oh my goodness could you, could you just set this in times roman and uh, <laughs> all caps bold that'd be great i'd love to do that <laughs> oh man that's awesome okay i'm gonna ask you one more pertinent question okay do you like Pitbull because of his music or because of his charm and wit? Both. The Pitbull is the epitome of what we are as human beings. Positivity? It's all there. Love and energy. <laughs> Great beats. Actually, can I... Well, and also, I don't know if you're into this, but he also did, um, on his last thing that came out, it was uh, Lunch Money Lewis was on it as well. Who is that? Um, it's lunch money, Lewis. He did okay. that. Um, I got bills. I got to pay. I got to work, work, work every day. Okay. I'm going to write down this. 
Right next next to Philip Larkin. Lunch Money. <laughs> Lunch Money Lewis. And he is a large man. And although he... In How the, large? Um, Moderately large? He fills up a television screen. Okay. <laughs> but he, two, two humorous stories about... One is about Lunch Money Lewis. Is that I found his music, or his one song that I know, <laughs> on an Australian reality tv show that had to do with cooking and opening restaurants and that i forget the name of it but the song bills was the theme song of it okay and i was like that is catchy that's an awesome song to my wife you know and she's like really and then like two weeks ago i i hear that the pitbull is making uh, the music with the lunch money lewis he's making the music with <laughs> Well, this is great. This is great news. So, Lunch Money Lewis, he just has one song. Well, it's. I think there's more, but that's one that I'm aware of. Because What's his connection to the 305 in Miami what, and the Pitbull? Did he the, just the did Pitbull, Pitbull watch that show as well? <laughs> Pitbull watches everything. You know what? I uh, the the other story, and this sort of segues into something else. Um, I started referring to the pit bull because of um, Pete, the chap that I work with. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, we were at a baseball game over in Buffalo and the pit bull came on and he's like, I hate that guy. Or it might've been like, there was some video on the television and I had no idea who it was. And it was the pit bull. And Pete was like, I hate that guy, you know? And of course, then I was like, "I love him. Right. He's awesome." Right. So from yeah. that moment, that, uh, moment, that, that explains uh, a lot, yeah. actually. And also in the um, uh, a lot of Australian television, especially one dealing with home renovation, ones that deal with home renovation, has the song "Timber" in it that he did with Keisha. 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 Yep. Yeah. It's a dollar sign. The E is a dollar sign. Or no, the S is a dollar yeah, sign. Yeah, it is. Yeah. A lot so, of rappers do that now. That's a new rap thing. If you've seen um, uh, Mr. Robot, there is an actor in it named Joey Badass. And yeah, ass is spelled with two dollar well, signs. Well, that's a rapper from New York City. Is, is that, it? Is he the actual actor in the show? Is that a cartoon? Oh, no, no. Mr. Mr. Robot? Robot? Oh, I've watched the first episode. That's the yeah. hacker guy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, in, yeah. In season two, Joey... Badass. Is he a black rapper from the Bronx? I don't know. There's no rap people well, in this. Well, that's strange because I'll have to look into that, figure that out. Yeah. Sorry, listeners who think <laughs> we're freaking retarded right now. <laughs> um, but uh, so we, we watch a lot of Australian reality television shows that deal with home renovations and they have the, the song Timber in it mm -hmm. when they're dealing with wood and that sort of stuff. Fitting. And of course, I... I I don't know if I would, if I heard the song, I may be able to identify it with the word timber. Yeah. And my wife will say to me, oh, there's your friend. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's like, it's Pitbull. And I was like, the Pitbull, the Pitbull. he's awesome. And you also have to, I started calling him the Pitbull yeah. because I'm so old and my mom will do that with different types of cancers. So uh. like she'll call it, uh, cancer of the lung right <laughs> instead of lung cancer so i call him the pit bull um to make myself sound older and more out of it do you know why he calls himself the pit bull no it's because 
pit bulls lock on with their bite, and they're also banned in where he's from in Miami. Oh, the 305. Yes. Yeah, so okay. he feels like that reflects his sort of ban banishment from society in some really? way. Maybe. Oh, okay. Maybe. Uh, from what I've heard from a couple of my American friends, I don't know much about the, the pit bull, but. I've heard he's a big deal. Like even before the rap game, like he he was some sort of hustler yeah, and big uh, where he's from, and just but everybody respected him. Like he was just a nice guy, but baller with just chains on all the time and <laughs> stuff. And then he decided to make music. He said he wants to become, uh, he wants to build his brand to the level of J Lo. That's his goal. J Lo, Jennifer Lopez. No, but I mean J Lo isn't she? Like she's over. Yeah, but she's still like. It's like J Lo. Still, there's a, there's a brand there, I guess, and she's oh, Spanish, okay, okay. so the connection there. Well, I must say, you know what? And, and I mean, like, I'm not really into the music. Don't don't tell anybody this. Okay. Um, but like, he he's actually been around like way longer than I give, you ever gave him credit for. Yeah, yeah, and, and hits like like hits all the time. Yeah, singles and the, always club hits. That's what he does. Well, that's he's the king of the dance floor. He is, and I'm. I, I, it it it's funny that I I um. He's so corny, and he did like Pitbull's magical New Year's Eve oh program or something. Oh my god, I gotta and watch that. It was amazing. It was so bad, but and again in present day America, I think he represents something. And I mean, if you can come from, you know, Compton, the three hundred five, wherever, and do shout out three hundred five, Boham, Cashy, on my rap connects, <laughs> listening, probably That's... not listening, but shout out anyway. <laughs> but but to me, like, I, and again, my sort of rap reference is, you know, like Public Lunch Enemy Money Lewis, and Lunch Money <laughs> Lewis, and. I, like I don't understand the music, you know. Like I, because it's not, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Like like a lot of young people's music and that. I mean, yeah. some of it I I can understand because it sounds like yeah. the Pitbull. I don't even know. Like it's just like I don't know a series of choruses. No, yeah, it is. It's um, a series of unfortunate choruses. <laughs> <laughs> but What's, it is. It's just very much. Uh, like club dance hits with great production, high level mainstream sounding production, uh, over compressed yeah, yeah. and l- very loud yeah. tracks and just perfect for the club and girls requested. Like I DJ occasionally and girl, like that's a requested artist. Really? And really? I try not to play him. I try my best <laughs> not to play him. Well, that's the, that's the free genre eh, between a DJ and the crowd. Yeah. You know why I also think he's, he's popular is because he kind of makes world music. Like it's always like kind of like a Wyclef Jean. He's taking influences oh, okay, from very yeah. different. So, and, or like the black eyed peas, like they play sold out shows wherever Vietnam, wherever, because Vietnam, really? I'll just listed a random country off the top of my head. <laughs> but like, who knows? Like they're all over every continent because the music's very accessible. I think to non-westerners or, or just just because yeah, of the yeah. various influences it's like an eclectic sound well and i think i mean i didn't spend long down in the 305 area but my parents again this is this is the very white person mm-hmm. saying my parents trained horses down in the fort lauderdale area oh, okay and i mean it's a real melange of of you know there there's 
you know, sort of the crackers, there's, but not the band cracker, or right. which is good, but the band Uncle Cracker is bad. Um, a couple good songs. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll differ on yeah, that. That's but. another show. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, I mean, the, the amount of Cuban influence and Spanish influence and all that there is, is fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, we went to this flea market there. It's like the world's largest flea market. Or it was, this was a long time ago, but it, it was amazing. Like to a small, well, smaller, you know, dude from, from Beamsville, like seeing like all these foods, you know, people playing street music and that, and like, you know, people doing what <laughs> rap music, you know, and it, it was like, you know, fantastic. And I, I can under, I sort of understand him coming out of that. And, but I, I don't understand the music anymore because right. too much has gone on you know yeah, yeah. i understand those lobos okay. <laughs> the pitbull is going somewhere that uh honey i don't understand oh, it, you know? and these yeah. guys drop songs every month you know it's like they're just constantly putting out music like well i follow him on the facebooks mm -hmm. so yeah. did you ever live stream or anything like that um he has done it once but i was uh unable to watch it because of um something else I had, to <laughs> I had to relace my shoes that night <laughs> awesome um all right well uh let's uh close anything um any, any pertinent uh information or any where can people find uh your your work blindpigpress.com or is it it is um ah. blindpigpress.com um, that's sort of my letterpress stuff. And also there's some blog posts. Do you have a shop that. on there? The Etsy yeah. link? No, no. Uh, oh, a different shop? Don't get me started on Etsy. Ooh. Yeah, it was a bad scene. I got sort of not really kicked off Etsy, but forced away for from For controversy Etsy. or for bad to, business practices? Well, no, not bad business. I always maintain the highest business standard. Yes. But I... Well, I don't know if you've gone on Etsy a lot. Not really. Um, if you go on Etsy a lot, you will find a lot of uh, copyright violations. Mm -hmm. And so I um, started reporting them. Ah. It was during the summer. I wasn't... So you were a tattletale. Yeah. And and I I kept clicking because it has report this item or report this Ten hours this a seller. day, you just clicked. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe... I think I spent like a half an hour every morning and just went through. And... I do that on Kijiji, sorry to interrupt you. I yeah. do Kijiji all the time in the job section. This oh, is a, okay. I want to, I'm looking for a job. I say, I report. Because in, in the job section on Kijiji, people put uh, graphic design, their, they advertise their services rather than oh, okay. a job. Yeah, yeah. This is not the section. Get it out. <laughs> I actually had a threat sent to my phone once. The guy found my, somehow my information and really? sent me a text that he's going to burn my house down and all this stuff. Wow. Yeah, Kijiji's not. It's sort of it's the, the Wild West. It's the Reddit of uh, the Dutch company. Is it? Yeah, Dutch like conspiracy. It. It's one of the Vorman's cookies, Ramakers, uh, and Kijiji is the trifecta of the really? Dutch conspiracy. Yeah, you don't know this. You gotta well, look at I must say, I used to drive when I worked in uh, uh, Mississauga. I drove by the Vortman's yeah. cookie place every morning. I got to work and I was ravenously hungry because you'd smell the. The, the, that's the how they get you that's how they get you yeah. sorry to interrupt you but yeah etsy oh okay um yeah and they they said that you know could you not 
do that. And then the other thing that happened is you can, I don't know if this has changed because it's been a long time since I've been on there, but um, people will ask for critiques of their work or a piece or work in progress or something. So I would critique them. And I mean, nothing like, like mild compared to what I would do face to face in a classroom and whoa, Nelly, it, it, yeah, I, a lot of hate, a lot of nasty emails to my Etsy account, um, for being over the top and all this okay. stuff. So, but my, I, I actually, I just finished designing, uh, blind pig dot com, um, in the spring and I had to wait for my wife to give me the passwords for it to get live. Cause oh, okay. she, it's under her account sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but if you're in the area and you need some letterpress goodness, um, there's a, a really cool store up in Thorold called Fig Street Co. or Fig Street Company. And uh, right on the main strip in Thorold there. And they have uh, my journal, uh, little notebooks. And if you're in Hamilton, uh, Mixed Media on James Street North at the corner of James and Cannon, um, they have my books as well. So... It's something I'm sort of exploring, not that I think I'm going to make a million dollars with it, but I, I like making stuff that, like, I've done my time in the garret of my design world, and it's sort of interesting to put stuff out in the, the public that's yours. I, totally, for sure. And, and I also like, um, I've sort of been exploring the peninsula a little more, and my contact with the peninsula. Getting to know your roots. Yeah, Not your roots, but your like. I, I love this place. I, I yeah. and I, I feel secure here. Not right here, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like when I come down over the skyway. Yeah, I feel good when I come back into from America. I feel really feel good. Great. <laughs> Woo, you know, like that. And uh, but I I like that, and I don't think that's been explored enough. It, probably musically it's been explored more than anything else. But if you think about it, there's been very few writers from the peninsula, very few um, like playwrights or anything like that. So um, musically, I think it's explored fairly well. Yeah. And both good and like from a standpoint of, you know, good stuff about the peninsula, bad stuff about the peninsula. Um, and, uh, I'm also doing a lot of uh, typeface design. So I did um, one previously uh, called Flapjack. Pete named it. Um, I also did one in the spring called Tears of the Widow Guelph. Now we can buy these typefaces? Um, Actually, Flapjack will be available on the website eventually. Uh, Tears of the Widow Guelph, I just have to... Um, that's what they used to call Queen Victoria. Well, that could be a band name. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I have a typeface for it. I have a brand. Um, I'm going to put it up, uh, a version of it up on the website for free. Oh, cool. So um, it's, I, I like it. It's a pretty cool process. And the new one I'm designing is uh, an old one. Actually, really interesting story. Uh, there's a, there was a, <laughs> a, a type foundry in Dresden, Germany, um, 1890s called Bruder Butter. Mm-hmm. So B R U U with an umlaut, right? D E R. So the 
Brother Butter. Okay. And it got taken over by the Nazis in 1937. And then after the war, it got ta- it became part of East Germany. And then it got taken over by the communists. And finally, it was around long enough that when the Berlin Wall fell, it was still around. So I, I found this typeface. It was designed in 1922 uh, called Piler Script. Okay. Or Piler Schrift. <laughs> It's sort of a decorative typeface, not really my normal, uh, my normal bill of fare. So I, I'm working on that actually, like right now. So, and that's there's a lot of uh, challenges to it, but it's it's coming along. So, it's, sorry, how are you using it to work with it? What are you? So basically, I'm I'm taking this Piler script, which has not been digitized ever, and oh, I see. And from this really weird, obscure type foundry that actually was pretty funny. Uh, had a good sense of humor despite being German. <laughs> Those I'm, Germans. I have German background anyways, but not that type of German background. Right. Um, but they, uh, it's, it's more of a, like almost like an art deco scripty typeface and which is not really my thing, but I'm going to design like it like very strictly to what was published. And then I'm going to do like a fat face version it's That's almost cool. like a Bodoni poster version. And then the software will sort of extrapolate in between to give you a variety of weights. In okay. And then, so does that, are the rights to that just expunged over time because it's been so long that you can actually do whatever you want with it or how Typefaces are not copyrightable. Oh, okay. Only, the only thing, because they're software, the new digital typefaces are software. Yeah. Um, the software is, is, is copyrightable and also the outline the vector outline is i should have remembered that because that was on the test <laughs> that was one of the multiple choice questions exactly and that's why you shouldn't have your diploma and i'm gonna take it away with me when i leave and on that note <laughs> thanks so much blindpigpress.com people thank you derek this was wonderful thank you This be the verse. They fuck you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were fucked up in their turn by fools in old-style hats and coats who half the time were soppy stern and half at one another's throats. Man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can. And don't have any kids yourself. <laughs>